This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Hidden Gems of the 21st Century. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a conversation about movies from the 21st century that maybe didn't get their due. You know, critically acclaimed movies that that people just didn't go see, hidden gems that that we love that we think other people should see that aren't getting their due, that kind of thing. Um, Original concept was I was, you know, saying, hey, let's each bring one hidden gem to recommend to everybody else, and I could only come up with one. The other guys came up with several more, so it's kind of one of those shows where we list a bunch of stuff, but I gotta say, as a guy who didn't see enough movies in the first decade of the century, uh, I got a few good recommendations out of this, so maybe you will too. So yeah, check out the show notes for timestamps for all the different things we're going to talk about. We talk about everything from Pac-Man to Titans on on HBO. Uh, As always, we're trying to grow the show, so please subscribe to the podcast. Rate it on your podcast app of choice, share it on your social media feeds, and if you want to contact us, there's a lot of ways to do that. You can find us on Twitter. We are at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. On Facebook, we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Same for Instagram. And if you want to email us, you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. You can find links to all of those ways to contact us, plus all the past episodes of the show on our website, which is maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. All right, let's get on with the show. That's right, we are back. It's the show. The show with all the energy and the pizzazz and the foomfafoomf. The foomfafoomf from the foomfafoomf, the, the Parisian for nobody cares. Yes, or foomfafoomf, everybody. My name is Brian. <laughs> My name is Eric. Hi, Eric. This is Chris, and together we're stupid. Right. Yeah. I had a dream last night, and you guys are both in it. I, oh, I had I'm a sorry. dream. I had a dream that I was I became unstuck in time, and I kept going like back in time and. <laughs> Uh, at one point, uh, I reached uh, 1987, and it was like some some theater party, like some cast party after one of the 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 plays or something. And I pulled you guys aside. I was like, "Dude, guys, look, um, I've come unstuck in time, and you know, like, tried. You're the only ones who will get this." And you're both like, "What? What?" And so I was like, <laughs> as proof, tried to, I tried to explain my cousin my gastroenterologist to you because i was like oh, you, you're gonna be into this in like a year or two love and, a good mark uh, laner yeah yeah and uh, oh god let's see my did my you at any mom- point in time say if you're ever in cody wyoming tell him wild bill sent you no i i tried to explain car bomb <laughs> negative point okay yeah and, uh, would have been somehow like, was yeah. yeah actually a thing in 87 so yeah, I don't think we no, were aware the, of it just then. Yeah, no, car bomb was a thing from gastroenterologist. I I got up one morning, I went to my car, I turned it on, and the car blew up. So I called the mechanic. You remember that one? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. That, that's I was thinking of the Negative Land song, Car Bomb. Yeah, that was oh, where I went. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah. yeah, the eighties were full of car but bombs. But you're right. That that. <laughs> That, yeah. that book's the sort of thing that we often talk about when we do the fresh shit. This shit is fresh. No much for Eric's dream <laughs> yeah. that we were yeah. all in. Yeah, I'm crushing Eric's dreams. This is just like <laughs> we do like things we've been watching or, or reading or whatever yeah. this week. Excellent. He's uh, <laughs> got some fresh shit. Uh, um, I've got a whole bunch. I've got but, a bit. Okay. But I but figured... I'll go last. I'll Rochambeau you for it. Oh, uh, so, no. Rock, Chris scissors, go first. I'll go second. Eric will go last. That's okay. fine. Go, All Chris. Right. What's your fresh shit? Uh, you wanna, we can do a choose-your-own-adventure style, because I did a lot. So I'll just run down a list, and you can tell me which one you want to talk about. How's that? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, 
So I watched a documentary about a British musical group called the Sleaford Mods. Um, oh yeah, I, I watched that too. Yeah, it's called the documentary is called A Bunch of Kunst, K-U-N-S-T, uh, which basically chronicles <laughs> their like pre super success and then like all of the touring and stuff they do. But they do like this real minimalist, uh, like spoken word rap sort of thing over like a, just a computer track, drums and bass and stuff. It's really weird, really good, very early Jelly Be Off. Is that, is that the band you sent the video? Yeah, because yeah. I'm looking at it and I'm like, this, oh, okay. this is totally like if Eric was ever in a band, this would be it because it's so lo-fi and it's just basically a dude ranting about everything and calling people cunts. You gotta be cruel to be kind. Shit bank, save it up like Norman Colon. Release the stench of shit grub like a giant toilet kraken. The lonely life that is touring. I got an armful of decent tunes, mate, but it's all so fucking boring. And this is like, uh, this is exactly what I was thinking when I was trying to bother Brian into starting a band with me a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, they're they're hilarious because the main guy just gets up and he's got like a nottingham accent so it's very very british and he just rants and raves about anything and everything and his partner just basically does all the tracks on the computer so he just hooks up his laptop on stage the guy hits the button and then through the entire song just drinks his beer on stage and bobs his head and just kind of you know dances so around it's until like erasure like, but with less singing <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. basically yeah <laughs> so it's really fun there's a moment where the guy from uh one of the guys from crass which was one of the you know heavy punk rock bands of the 80s in the uk was like i don't know why i didn't think of this <laughs> <laughs> exactly and it's just yeah it's just funny because he's just so unaffected by any of it and it's just refreshing but i just happened across that just randomly on amazon i'm like oh, okay i'll just watch this um then i also watched uh robot jocks for the first time in like 30 years oh wow hmm. uh i watched Diner, the Barry Levinson movie from 82 that stars like literally everyone that became a big star in the 80s. Uh, and then I watched the documentary The Last Blockbuster on Netflix. Watch okay, that so are we having to pick which one of those three we're going to talk about? Which one Robot entices Jocks, you? Diner or The Last Blockbuster? Yeah. But the last Blockbuster. I say Robot Jocks. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Wow. You, 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 you're the one who set that up. So yeah, Robot Jocks, tell us all about it. The that was Gary one I skipped Graham in classic. the time. Yeah, and it's got, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was in uh, like a bunch of stuff from that era. Uh, but most notably, she was uh, the girlfriend in the Hollywood Shuffle, I think it was. Anne-Marie um, Johnson. Yes. And then uh, like other people that you won't recognize. But it's... Uh, a Charles Band production, which he did all of those like uh, really awful made-for-video, like the doll, like the I can't what were they called, the dolls, the living dolls, whatever. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, they're just like he basically, he's basically like the Lloyd Kaufman of uh, of like the late '80s, and he's then not the Puppet Master things. Yes, those okay. Yeah, yeah, Puppet Master. And then directed by uh, Stuart Gordon, who did uh, all manner of stuff that we know, like Reanimator is probably his best known one. Um, but basically, it's oh. just it's 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 basically just a giant robot fight movie set in an apocalyptic future where uh, it's like rollerball, where basically countries have their champions and then they duke it out with these giant robots to figure out who's going to win. Instead of Instead, Instead of war. wars, they have <laughs> robot fights. And yeah. if I if memory serves, it's like it has everything in it I would love, except they did not follow the Joel Silver rule of something happening every 10 minutes. It's basically no. a lot of talking and then a big it's, robot fight. Yeah. And it starts so well because it's obviously done on a really chintzy budget and they just make it look a hundred bucks yeah. on a five dollar budget. I mean it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the, the kind same of time, effects totally you look at it. and you go, God damn, good for them for their pluckiness. Because, you yeah. know, it doesn't look realistic, but it looks fun. Yeah, it's like a Godzilla movie so, level, you know? 
Yeah, so that that kind of reminds me of Psycho Gorman that I was talking about earlier this year in terms of it just being like a cheapo movie where they put all of their, mm-hmm. you know, they put all their mo- budget on the screen in, in key moments. So wh- who had the better script, Robot Jocks or uh, Godzilla versus Kong? Oh, I'm going to go with Robot Jocks because it owes Godzilla more to Godzilla versus Kong <laughs> had a script? You think it had a script? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they made that shit up I mean, there the were spot. words. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, but Robot Jocks really just throws you into this immersive future world and uh they're like instead of saying break a leg, they go crash and burn and then they bump fists and then they do these like <laughs> fight scenes in these arenas where like spectators actually die because a giant robot falls on them at one point and they kill like three hundred people and then that <laughs> like creates a wow like a, a guilty conscience in the the hero and then he comes back for the so this- final fight, yeah. This is 89. Is this like man in suit effects or is this like stop motion or how, do, how are they achieving both. this? Both. Sort okay. of stop motion and matte. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and it's just astonishing how well it's because it's total pre CGI. So it's all practical effects and it looks great. I mean, it's, it, you can tell it's a cheap movie, but at the same time, it, it really has some care put into it. Uh, and like this the, is Jocks spelled J O X for those of you who weren't alive yeah. at the time. Robot J O X Jocks. <laughs> but it's People. like the opening scene is just the the narrator doing the setup for what kind of future world we're living in, blah blah blah. And the camera pans across this like Siberian winter wasteland, and then you see like this giant robot foot just come into the screen, and then there's some stuff off screen, and then like a like a head or an arm or something just severed rolls into frame. Uh, and that sets up the whole <laughs> thing. So it's like it's the less is more because they don't have a budget, but it's just it's, yeah, it's you're stuck. selling it now. You're making me want to watch Robot Jocks. Uh, totally, should I? It's 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 a B movie if ever, but for what they did, it's amazing. I'm always surprised I, that it didn't get more success. I I mean personally, I would recommend going to like a YouTube like best moments video than watching the whole thing because <laughs> yeah. like i say i remember it being a slog because all the cool shit happens at one point and then it's a lot of waiting yeah it's so like I'm, it's i don't just... want to watch something called robot jocks for the fucking story <laughs> which is very minimal <laughs> very yeah. minimal but yeah it's fun it's it owes more to like uh i don't know fortress which i think was another Stuart gordon uh excellent movie but yeah it's it's that's kind of vibe but isn't that the one you guys uh slapped the shit out of chris vidopia for tricking you into go to see (laughs) yes yeah our friend chris made us go see it and we're like you're never picking the movie ever again (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but uh if you if you'll sit through a godzilla movie then you can sure as shit sit through robot shocks i'll tell you that's fair that's fair there you go so yeah, I, I saw some clips bunch. from like the '90s, um, you know, Godzilla reboots from Toho in Japan, and I'm like, I'm like ready to bite into some of that at this point, like '90s yeah. style Godzilla. But anyway, yeah, it's um, uh, it's good. So yeah, you could do worse. I don't know how, but yeah, you could probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, all over the map this week. Uh, I'll I'll just leave it at that. All right. Um, I don't have much this week, so I'll I'll give a little a little context here. So, um, several years back, they released this this thing on like Xbox Live Arcade or something. It was Pac Man Championship Edition, and I got into a competition with one of the guys who was QA at at Lucas Arts and another guy that I uh you know collaborated with on some tracks for like the Rock Band Network who were both really, really damn good. And between the three of us, we all got into like the top five in the world in leaderboards on frickin' Pac-Man um, because we were just competitive. And now every damn version of Pac-Man that comes out, this this thing just keeps like reigniting. <laughs> and this week, they released on the Nintendo Switch Online Pac-Man 99, which is Pac-Man as a battle royale game. So there's a hundred people playing Pac-Man, and as you like eat ghosts and stuff, you're sending like obstacles and, and things that'll kill other players to other boards. And the objective is to be the last Pac-Man standing. Okay, and that so makes I've been more cracking sense. out on Pac-Man 99 this week. 
That makes more sense than what I was uh, uh, imagining when you said that. I, I was oh, imagining good. like a room full of circular Pac-Man things trying to pick up like a gun to kill each other, but Pac-Man doesn't have arms, and so they just keep nudging <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, no, it's like Fortnite, but with the style of the Pac-Man cartoon from the '80s, and you know, uh, no, it, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's just straight up. It's like Pac-Man, except that you can create ghost chains, and then you've got like these modifiers you can put on to make your guy either a little faster or um, do more like damage to the enemy but at the expense of when when it comes back your way you'll get it that much harder if you if you play these cards so there's some strategy to it it's it's fun and yeah so the three of us were like within the first 24 hours like I was number one in Pac-Man 99 like oh yeah well so was I and so I'm still old and I'm still lame and I'm still playing Pac-Man and that's my fresh shit this week <laughs> like what's your what's your uh, initials what do you put up your actual initials or do you do oh like- no I mean it, it, at this point it's just my name Brian right okay. yeah, it's, it's Nintendo but you know <laughs> that just reminds me of the old um, arcade games when you had to like cycle through all 26 letters on the fucking up button oh, just so you could get yeah, yeah. so yeah Oh, Three so initial that. name was always BRI back in the day, although these days I'd probably do BK Space, but, you know, nobody makes arcade machines like that anymore. Mine so. was always eh. DRI. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> That's so punk rock, Eric. <laughs> Dirty, rotten imbecile. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's uh, me. That's all. Everything else I did was like work and stuff around the house. So Eric, what's your fresh shit? You, you make me think of an idea I had, which was like, it was an utter throwaway idea, like, Anybody can do this shit of a Pac-Man movie about Pac-Man. And uh, basically, he's got uh, diabetes from, like, overeating all of those Pac-Man slots. And he's, <laughs> he's like, going into a turmoil of, like, what does my life mean? All I do is eat these fucking dots all day. And it's just, like, this depressing, awful... The ghosts are in his head, and they keep taunting him. And... I'm going to drop the description from from Black Mirror um, about the Pac-Man game here from uh, Bandersnatch. There's messages in every game, like Pac-Man. Do you know what Pac stands for? P-A-C. Program and Control. He's Program and Control Man. The whole thing's a metaphor. He thinks he's got free will, but really, he's trapped in a maze, in a system. All he can do is consume. He's pursued by demons that are probably just in his own head. And even if he does manage to escape by slipping out one side of the maze, what happens? He comes right back in the other side. People think it's a happy game. It's not a happy game. It's a fucking nightmare world. And the worst thing is, it's real, and we live in it. Okay, so my things. Um, I I feel bad about this, but I gotta, I, I gotta say... I've been watching Titans, uh, the the sort of oh, okay. Teen Titans reboot. It's fucking good. It's really a live action one? one where yeah. the yeah. tagline is "fuck Batman." Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that. I guess that kind of gets left. No, that doesn't. That's that's a big part of it. But yeah, Teen Titans <laughs> are a, a superhero group that started in the comics in 1980, and it's basically the sidekicks who have quit their you know, main guys, and they've they've joined their own, they've made their own superhero team. And so it's Wonder Girl and Aqualad and Robin, and I think Superboy is going to make an appearance. It's very, fuck me. It's good. It's actually good. It treats really the subject shocking. relatively seriously. It knows the canon. I think that's the thing that bugs me about a lot of comic book stuff is that when they use the names... Of comic book villains or places or stuff but they don't give it its proper place and this mm-hmm. understands the uh the the dramatis personae of uh dc comics so they don't live it's, in the big giant building that looks like a t right no okay they, no this is not teen titans go this okay. is okay. live action this is the show that they tried to launch the DC Universe streaming network before that just got folded into HBO Max. Yeah, it's like two seasons yeah. on the DC network. There's there's one part where they uh, meet up with the Doom Patrol, and three of the actors really? from the Doom Patrol show are on this, and it Interesting. predates Doom Patrol by a couple of years. I think they were already planning spinoff. But Interesting. I, I, I read, and it even said that the Doom Patrol spinoff takes place in a different universe 
than the Titans. So, I mean, DC is like, in, in a funny way, they are going full hog into none of this shit is connected. The way Marvel says everything yes. here is connected, none of this shit is connected. We <laughs> can do what whatever do. we want. Well, I know like the, the Pattinson Batman movie isn't supposed to be like uh, Earth 2 or something. So they've basically just come out uh, and said that, yeah, it's not even the same timeline yeah. or anything. It's just No, but who, like, who cares? Yeah. Like Aquaman pretty much just broke all of that and said, you know what, guys, we're just doing stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's how and they're, they're saying, yeah. okay, glad you liked the Zack Snyder cut, but we're fucking done. You know? Yeah. This, right. This is... Yeah, this we're we're doing we're doing everything any way we want. The Joker movie, you know, it yeah. it exists in its own thing. Thing is, yep. all of this is what necessitated the Crisis on Infinite Earths series in DC to clean up all of the canon. You know, I don't know if they're ever going to try and do yeah. that, but fuck, I hope not. No, they did. It, yeah. the, so the the CW series because they've got Supergirl and the Flash and and stuff like that on on the CW. They actually did Crisis on Infinite Earths, and they actually had Ezra, what's his name, from the Zack Snyder movies interacting with the Flash from the TV show and basically going, ah, it's alternate universes. Yeah, they, they had, no, they, they did a whole thing. They had well, Burt Ward showed up in that. Right. They had, oh, Lord. like, all kinds but they of people. Didn't, well, yeah. They didn't actually clean up. My, my point is they didn't clean up the canon. They just did it as like a, you know, oh, everybody knows Crisis on Infinite Earths. Let's let's do that. But like at some point, they're going to say, wait a minute. Okay, we've got a popular Joker franchise. We've got a popular Batman, finally. How do we bring these two together? Well, hmm. Infinite Earths. Well, isn't Marvel taking a page <laughs> out of that playbook? Because like the, the next Spider-Man movie is going to have like all of the film iterations That's the rumor. Yeah. Uh, and Multiverse of Madness for yeah. Doctor Strange. So I guess, yeah, it's just like the comic books. DC borrows from Marvel, who borrows from DC, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. But it's, it's, but it's now, a fun now show. Now I want, I, I just want to say, I want Teen f- Titans Go versus Teen Titans versus Titans. Like, <laughs> screw it. Let's Roger Rabbit this thing. Versus teens. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's good, yeah, you it's, say. It's basically, you know what, uh, a good way to look at it, it's the boys without a hatred for comic book superheroes. <laughs> That's almost That's, the selling point for me, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very good. The other show I've been watching is Mr. Mercedes on the Peacock Network. Highly recommended. What tell is Mr. Mr. Mercedes? Mr. Mercedes is based on a Stephen King novel. It's it's you know the latest thing where they're making a whole show out of a Stephen King novel instead of just a shit movie. Um, a a kid stole a Mercedes and drove through a bunch of people at a job fair, killing a you know a bunch of them. And the detective who was on the case at the time is now retired and he's never solved it. And the kid who did all the killing is now taunting the retired cop to come and find him. Um, it's it's got a great cast of people like I could not possibly remember their names. Uh, so Brendan Gleeson, the the great big Irishman from Anytime You Need a Great Big Irishman, yeah, and Father Harry Domino. Tread Harry Treadaway, who is the uh, Romulan shitbag in um, Picard. But you wouldn't recognize him because, you know, he doesn't have the ears. He doesn't have the beard. He just has those horrible English yeah. teeth. He's also from Penny Dreadful. He's good in that, too. Oh, that's right. He's Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 anyway, it's, 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 a, it's a well-written show because they're not, they're not going whole hog into plot. You know, they, they start with characters and building characters and feeling out who everybody is and i think that's really why movies are dying because they can't do that movies are no no we gotta go we gotta go we gotta jump into this we gotta establish a character in 30 seconds so we can get on with our fucking story and do you think yeah this like the big blockbusters like the superhero shit is definitely uh to blame for that now the state of movies no i really think it's that you can't you can't take uh, a complicated subject like the stand 
and make mm-hmm. it into a movie, even a miniseries doesn't work, you need to roll it out as a great big series and give it all the time it needs. Right. I think maybe novels are the reason that uh, films don't work anymore because a novel can be as long as it needs to be. True. Hmm. I think there's room for all of the above. You know, I, I, I think... I think the sweet spot is is something like these Netflix limited series where you get like six episodes or ten episodes or whatever, and it's just sort of whatever, um, you, you know, whatever the story needs. Yeah. So if a story is as big as that, then fine, you know, go that big. Right. But market demand is always the thing that, that screws up movies, where it's like, okay, we know you need more time on this, but we've got to come in under 120 minutes so that the theaters can have more turnover, because money. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like back in the 90s when they were cranking out all those three-hour movies, you could just feel the, the studios cringing just a yeah. little bit. Because <laughs> it's like, the movies just kept getting progressively longer. It's like, no, yeah. we got an hour 20 minutes, tops. I'm pretty sure the video cassette people were behind that somewhere where it's like, yeah, but we get to sell two video cassettes. Yeah. And those, those extra long. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got. (laughs) All right. I'm glad you're entertained. Very good. Good. It's the first time I've ever looked at Robin and thought, oh, he's kind of a badass. Yeah. (laughs) Is he Robin or Nightwing? Uh, well, it's, it's a couple of different Robins in this. Um, Oh, yeah, it's, okay, so they do Jason Todd and Dick Grayson or whatever? Dick Grayson is the main one, yeah. Um, okay. I, he will become Nightwing, I'm pretty sure, because he hates Robin. I mean, his the Robin persona. He hates Batman. He hates the whole thing. He's very aggro. Uh, he's kind of a whining piece of shit. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's the fresh shit. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So, this week's show, uh, topic was underrated movies, uh, hidden gems, things that maybe, you know, didn't get the attention they deserved and, and an opportunity to call something out. And much of the like 21st the shit, century. Of the right? 21st century. Very of important. the 21st century. Very important. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, much like the fresh shit, I'm going to bring like one thing and these guys are going to bring several. So, that's how that's going to go. Um... And, and since thing, I only have I, one thing, we're going with one of you. <laughs> one, one, one quick thing, like with the, the concept of underrated itself, uh, like if this was underrated films of the 70s, okay, just as a test, I would have said THX 1138 because most people don't know it. But that movie has a huge cult following. So would that be underrated? I think, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Yeah. Sure. I approached okay. it from because there there are plenty of movies that I I I like from the last twenty years or so, but many of them are actually recognized as either uh, giant successes or influential, or they have their own massive cult standing. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. I ruled those out because they actually have uh, a built in audience somewhere. So I had to think about stuff that was not quite so uh, obvious, and it was hard. I guarantee That's why it was I- hard. That's why I made a top 10 list. I, and I, I culled it down to a top 10 list because there were so many and I wasn't really sure how they are inside or outside of the rules. I was like, fuck it. Let's go with them all. Do it. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was scrolling through and I'm like, uh, there's actually a lot more dumb movies from the last 20 years than I remember. Mm. And I'm having trouble picking out the gems. It was hard. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I kind of had the same problem. That's just why I brought one. But anyway, <laughs> <yeah>. you <laughs> dealt with it in a different way. Succinct. <laughs> Eric, very good. I'm, I'm going to go there because I know he's got the longest list here. So, Eric, give us a hidden gem here from, from the 21st century. 13 Going on 30, Ew. which is a Jennifer oh, Garner really? film about a 13-year-old girl who makes a wish and is, is magically transported to her 30-year-old self. And... It's it's just a charming, funny movie, and and Jennifer Garner is fucking amazing at making you think this is a thirteen-year-old girl in a thirty-year-old woman's body. Isn't what's his face uh, Banner in that one too? Yeah. Uh, okay. 
What is his name? He's he's Mark and I Ruffalo. don't like him. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is such a forgettable actor. Every time he's in anything, he's just this guy who just kind of gets on my high. Exactly. But Maddie, the character himself, is also very eh, whatever. He's he's a dopey guy who loves her, but she doesn't see him. It's that kind of thing. Only we jump straight to the they're grown up now and friends, and she's realizing, oh, he was kind of a good guy, and I bucked up by not recognizing you know it's so yeah. is this is this like big where she's instantly 30 or is this like she traveled forward like it's like sleeping it's beauty like 15 years it's a time travel where she is basically met put into her life at 30 this is like where okay. what her life shaped up to but her mind is her 13 year old self going oh shit you know i work in a magazine <laughs> there's this there's this hilarious i mean i'll maybe i'll find the clip she's in the elevator with this other 13 year old girl and the, the the girl says to her i like your dress and she says i know and my boobs are huge like <laughs> everything is so fucking new to her she, I, it's a great movie it it comes huh. up a lot on like uh like best of like early aughts or whatever, I see it real. Like tons of people talk about it. I'm like, I've just never thought. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I, yeah, I Jennifer Garner is usually a sign that I don't want to watch a movie. So I'm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's I've usually uh, on that one. I I I like her in just about everything I've seen her in. I think she is just insanely talented and is never, you know. Never had good projects. I, I think she's talented. Yeah. It's just that she seems to be in an awful lot of movies that are basically like Hallmark presents Jesus made my family better, you know? And... <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be more her agent than actually her talent at, at work there. Maybe. I mean, you know, maybe. See, I think of her of... either as Electra or uh, Peppermint, you know, like, yeah. like very dumb, like girl punchy things, but. Don't you can't forget uh, Alias? Yeah, that is true. That's fair. Okay. So All let's right. see. So Eric's got one rom com on his list. I knew that would yeah. happen. All right, a rom com. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Yay! I've got I've got two Chris. on here. What's the oh, other? Oh, okay. One? Well, I want. Let's get one from Chris. Hold on. Yeah, we'll we'll go down Chris. the list. Okay. Uh, do you want my top pick, or do you want like one of my? Like, I don't. I we've already know. completely just dispensed with format, so whatever you got, baby. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just do my top pick first, and we can roll backwards because it's the honestly the first one I thought of uh, when you brought this up, and it's from two thousand and three, I think it was two thousand and two, uh, and it's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which is the movie uh, of based on the book yes. written by Chuck Barris. And it's quote unquote a biography or a memoir, but Chuck Barris is so hilarious and genius that he wrote his own memoir as an unauthorized story about how he was an assassin for the CIA while he was using his game shows as a cover to travel to other countries and assassinate people. And then this like web of lies that <laughs> falls from there. It's the most outrageous, ridiculous concept. Uh, for a biography and I love the book to death so when I saw that the movie was coming out I was very interested it's written by uh, Kaufman uh, being John Malkovich all that and then uh, directed by George Clooney and it's Clooney's directorial debut and all of his influences are just out there and proud so I didn't remember that Clooney directed it yeah, yeah. oh wow uh, and then he's in it briefly Julia Roberts shows up briefly Drew Barrymore's in it, and then the reason you go to it, though, is because it's Sam Rockwell. This is probably the first movie that he actually got to be the star and just blew it out the door. I mean, yeah. it's just everything you want from a Sam Rockwell performance is in this movie. And so it's like all these firsts uh, wrapped into this weird, dark comic package, and it's just, it's a gem. But the reason I watch it continually every couple of years is because you go through all of the, the weirdness and they play it pretty fast and loose. But uh, you get to the end scene. I think I brought this up before. Like the very end of the movie, after Chuck Barris has basically uh, lost his mind, reclaimed his mind, got his life back, but then he's obviously just a paranoid, delusional wreck for the rest of his life. Uh, that's how they pretty much end it. And then you get the voiceover from 
the end of the book, which is him talking about the game show that he came up with called The Old Game. And it's just him like reciting this very melancholy, pragmatic, just I'm tired, man. Came up with a new game show idea recently. It's called The Old Game. You got three old guys with loaded guns on stage. They look back at their lives, see who they were, what they accomplished, how close they came to realizing their dreams. The winner is the one who doesn't blow his brains out. He gets a refrigerator. He gets a refrigerator. <laughs> and it's like, that's the end of the movie. And it just makes me laugh every single time. I love it so much. <laughs> but it doesn't get a lot of cred because it's just like, it got buried under Clooney's other directorial movies, uh, etc. But it's just this gem in the middle of just the early aughts that just shines for me all the time. So there you go. Yeah. Good choice. And the, the, the gong show bits where he's doing bears clapping his hands on stage while he's losing his mind. It's like, it's one of Sam Rockwell's finest moments. I will tell you that right. Now. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'll go ahead and do mine because mine is from 2009 and also stars Sam Rockwell and yes. it's moon. moon. Oh, I had moon. thought of that one. Yeah. That's on Sam Jones' directorial debut. Yeah, I had that, that on my list as well. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, no, this one this one is heavily underrated and also almost it keeps leaving streaming services like categorically. Like yeah. it's not really available to stream right now. Um but Moon is I, I don't want to necessarily spoil it because it's the kind of movie that can be spoiled. Uh going off of what's in the trailer. Sam Rockwell is a dude who has been working on the moon for three years. He's the only human in this otherwise fully op- automated helium mining operation. And he's been up there isolated for three years and he's getting ready to go home and he's getting tired of it. And then he stumbles across a guy who looks just like him and rescues him from a, a wrecked vehicle and then it becomes a Sam Rockwell playing off of Sam Rockwell movie where they're trying to figure out why that happened and what the hell is going on. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's a tight little low budget movie. Like the whole thing was made for like $5 million. And isn't um, it, uh, it's a Duncan Jones, David Bowie's kid. Yeah. That's his directorial effort. And Kevin Spacey is the voice of the yeah. robot, and <clears throat> very good choice because he's got those calm, dulcet tones that yes. that are reminiscent of how. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it is. Yeah, it, it, what I it, what I love about this movie, outside of just the concept itself and where it goes and the twist and all that, the fact that one, this is all very sort of a, a very practical take on science fiction. It's it's a, a, a yeah. helium two mining facility on the moon. Okay, I buy that, and it's all contained. It's all crunched into a, you know the space and time are limited. It's that's something I always love when 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 you know you you only have twelve hours to do something or where everything takes place on this bridge. You know, it's it's got that kind yeah. of focus. And I mean, it's basically one actor on the screen in every shot. It's it. I mean, yes, he interacts with some other people over like video calls, kind of. But really, it's just him talking to himself or talking to the disembodied voice of Kevin Spacey as personified by a robot who presents its mood, quote unquote, with emoji. Um, It's yeah, it's great bit of hard science fiction. It's plausible. and. it's just a great watch. Uh, check out Moon if you can, whenever that becomes a thing again, you know. <laughs> well, isn't the, the pseudo-sequels on Netflix, right? Isn't that what you had said? Oh, so no, he makes a, a cameo. Me- yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, there's yeah. a movie called Mute that Duncan Jones wanted to make, and I guess there's a third one set in the same universe, but really it's a completely other story that just happens to take place in okay. the world that Moon also takes place in. Okay. There you go. So, yeah. 
that's going to be all I bring to the show. But Eric, oh. you got another one well, for us? Well, I think it's funny that Brian brought this up and then we narrowed it to the 21st century. And then after the fact, I, I dawned on me that Brian did not spend a lot of time watching movies in the first part of the 21st century. <laughs> so he's very limited to begin with. So, well, this this show is really designed for, you know, let's face it, middle-aged dudes. And so I think yeah. in a way we're kind of saying, hey, middle-aged dudes who haven't seen a movie this century, eh, there's some winners. Yeah. Yeah, th- I think this is made for me. What we're saying is I haven't been watching these movies, so tell me what I should be watching. <laughs> Take some notes. <laughs> right? Take some notes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. You know, I had a thought while I was doing this. Okay, uh, um, what's her name who plays uh, Captain Marvel? Um, Brie Larson. Larson. Brie Larson had had this whole complaint about movie reviewers all being white dudes and how if they don't like some movie, you know, it, it, that doesn't necessarily make it bad because their perspective is different. And I was like, you know, would it be a great idea? Let's take all of the movie reviewers, uh, 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 I guess, I guess, database all of their reviews and make an app where you can put in five movies you liked and five movies you didn't like, and the app tells you which movie reviewer you should listen to. Mm. Because I'm basically, yeah, I'm basically saying these are the top ten, for me, most underrated films of the 21st century, but that's based on my tastes. You know, you probably will hate all of these. <laughs> oh, well, give most us, assuredly. Give us one I'll I'll hate okay. then, Eric. What do you got? I'll fire I'll fire these off and uh when you want to discuss one we will and if not I'm just moving on. All right. Number it's nine. Like Chris's Fred shit. Go. Yeah. Number 9, The Assassination of Billy the Kid by the Coward Robert Ford. Still never seen it. Oh. Great title but whatever. It's, yeah. It look it always just strikes me as I got to be in a in a a mood to actually sit down and slog through that thing cuz it looks like one of those minimalist jobs. And yeah. I got to be in the right headspace, and I just haven't found it yet. It is. But I like Brad it, Pitt. Yeah, it's another movie starring the Moon Guy, not starring, but the Moon Guy's in it. I can never remember his name, even though Sam, just, Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. It's another yeah. Sam Rockwell joint. It is very Terrence Malick in in the way yeah. it lays it out, but it is it is a beautiful film, and it's yeah, it's a bit of a scary film, and it's about. Uh, fandom but yeah i love that movie uh okay i think i've hit i i've hit all genres on this list too number eight is 1408 the horror film with john oh, cusack, john cusack, cusack and yeah. samuel l jackson is that that's yeah. a pseudo king right is it an actual short story or just a i think it's a short story okay but it's a fucking amazing uh mess with your head horror movie it's yeah, it's it's the best king-based horror movie since The Shining, and it's a hotel again. Um, plays to his highly strengths. recommend that. Sorry, yeah. plays to his strengths. Yeah, hotel. yeah, and and it breaks all rules of reality, which is the other thing I like most in Stephen King. When just reality doesn't really mean much of anything anymore. They do a lot of stretches in this see it nice uh number seven the sultan sea from 2002 val Val kilmer Kilmer. is out to find the people who killed his girlfriend uh and yeah it's just a mind fuck of a movie that's all i can tell you it's again another sort of twist laden one but it's so smart and it's so sad and tense and d'onofrio wears a metal nose because uh, he did too much coke. That's Brian. That's the guy that made uh, Eagle Eye. Made that one as well. FYI. Oh, so I don't want to see it. Next. <laughs> no, it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> okay. Num- number six from Cuba. One of the Dead. From Man, I've not seen. I've literally not seen pretty much any of these yet, Eric. Yeah, this is a zombie movie in communist Cuba. Made in communist Cuba. Yeah. And... Juan, yeah, everybody is like running to get away from the zombie plague, and Juan, who's kind of a down and out Cuban guy, is like, "No, I'm staying. I'm making my stand." And it's it's a funny kind of pseudo, not a defense of communism, but a defense of Cuban culture against zombies. And there is, (laughs) 
There is a scene when they are trying to escape in the harbor and the zombies are coming up from underwater. It's, it is a great zombie movie. It is a, a great film about Cuba. Um, fucking see it. It's great. <laughs> I've seen it crop up, but yeah, that's one that always yeah. sort of fell through the cracks. Yeah, I just... bought it on Amazon okay. Prime. Um, gotcha. If, if there's ever a way for me to share it with you, I will. Um, yeah, number five, Moon. We've been there. Mm-hmm. Yay. Num- number four from 2002 again, The Hours. I, I maintain... Is it Kidman's Nose? Is it Kidman's yeah. Nose? This yeah. is that movie. Yeah, and it is... <laughs> yeah, it's just very powerful. It's wonderful. It's uh, three women with, you know, separate you know, issues going on in their lives, but they're all linked by uh, Mrs. Dalloway, by Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf is one of the three women, and they're sort of connecting over, you know, fucked up stories that all connect to each other, but not in a uh, Paul Thomas Anderson way. Uh, It's Meryl Streep, it's Nicole Kidman, um... That that red-haired woman, Julianne Moore. Uh, <laughs> that a red-haired of, woman. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of people in this movie uh, that are names. Uh, Ed, Ed Harris, Harris. Tony Collette, Claire Danes, yeah. Jeff Daniels, Alice. It's, wow. So okay, let's move on. <laughs> it's a beautiful movie, and uh, you should see it. You know, I don't know. Did, is it is it obvious Oscar bait? Cause that's one reason I've always avoided it because when it came out and they did the big Oscar push and I'm always turned off by that. So half of those movies I never end up seeing. It was, it was pretty obvious Oscar bait, but not okay. the way we have Oscar bait now because okay. Oscar bait now is you need to feel horrible about yourself. Uh, <laughs> listen to this okay. week's uh, uh, Bill Maher and he, he, in the new rules, he pretty much lays out, yeah, all Oscar movies now are just about making you feel like shit. And finally, new rule, the Oscars need to change their name to the Debbies. As in Debbie Downer. (laughs) Because judging by this year's Best Picture nominees, you couldn't have a worse time at the movies if there was an active shooter in the theater. (laughs) The 2021 Oscars, brought to you by razor blades, Kleenex, and rope. You know, (laughs) look, I don't have to leave the theater whistling, but would it kill you once in a while to make a movie that doesn't make me want to take a bath with the toaster? Oh, what's next? Number three is Take Shelter. Uh, I know nothing about Take Shelter. What is it? It's a 2011 movie. Uh, Michael Shannon keeps having these visions of the world being destroyed in the apocalypse. And so he starts disaster prepping and he starts building a shelter and everyone in town is like, you know, you're, you're snapping, you're losing your mind. You need to calm down with this shit. His wife is freaking out because he, he is, he's trying to convince people, no, no, the end times are coming, you know, and that's, that's basically so, the and he's got that sort of like. You know, I mean, he's Michael Shannon, right? So he's yeah. just got like that look where his eyes are getting a little buggy and he's starting to get sweaty and it's it, like he kind of does in the, the shape of water or something like that. Yeah. And you, you, okay. you have to wonder, is he crazy or is art is the end coming? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's Eric got a very distinctive list. It's totally him. It's, right now. <laughs> it's like cute women this. and disaster. <laughs> okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. 2003, Down With Love. A silly romantic comedy. Do it. Yeah. I can't believe this is one of your favorite movies. It just kills me every time you bring that up because it's such an obvious ode to the Tony Randall, Doris Day, Rock Hudson bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh. it's just so beautiful. Uh, is it because of Ewan McGregor? Yeah, Ewan McGregor's part of it. Ewan McGregor being Scottish is even better, for That's once. True. Catcher, catcher block. Uh, yeah, catcher block. A man's catcher man, a ladies' man, man about town. And um, uh, isn't it David Hyde Pierce is the uh, Tony Randall type in this one, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And Renee Zellweger 
is the author of a new book, Down With Love, which is causing women to no longer easily sleep with Catcher Block. And so he's going to expose her as a fraud. But then it turns into this this, this crazy intertwined mess of machinations. And there is a, a two-minute speech that Renee Zellweger gives in the end explaining her plot and how she knew what he was going to do. And so she did this. And so he did that. And it's, it's an astonishing two minutes of just watching her read this thing and going, Holy fuck. How does any human being do this without blinking? So, so his whole deal is in order to get ladies going to like publicly humiliate a a woman. Is that, that's his, 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 yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And it's, and the thing is, he doesn't realize like how stacked the game is against him, and <laughs> that's what makes it so funny. Is watching yeah. him, you know, try and bumble his way through getting this. Is that with Love a Musical? No, but there is one musical number yet. at the end. Okay, that's why yeah. I think they're okay. And then yeah. this is yeah, this is the guy that made this, Peyton Reed. This was the one he did after Bring It On, and then he did a few like crappy studio comedies before he got Ant-Man and now that's pretty much all okay. he does is just Ant-Man. Yeah. So yeah. it's a definite he, interesting I might, Okay, this this might be the one on Eric's list that I check out first. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thanks. I'm um, intrigued. Okay. Yeah, I I uh want to uh I I want to give honorable mention to the the uh Nicolas Cage film Knowing the the apocalypse <laughs> sci-fi movie with the kid who has pre- you know like they discover all of the proof that the 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 earth is going to end in several days and it's got aliens and it's and Nicolas Cage it's fucking great I'm sorry it's a fucking great movie and I wish more people would see it <laughs> it sounds but like the my, definition of underrated yeah yeah it, it, I I mean I can't. It, I, I, I didn't prepare. Just as I was talking about Take Shelter, I was like, how did I not put knowing on this film? It's a beautiful okay. list. It's not like it's yeah. set in stone. You know what I mean? Number one, I know... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally moving on. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Number one, and I know Chris is going to agree with me on this one on some level, <laughs> 2012's Dread. Yes, okay. I almost put that on there, but I had already discussed that a couple weeks ago. I love yeah, Dread so much. I still haven't seen it. I still haven't done I'm, it. Yeah, I'm amazed it's not on more people's lists of favorite movies. It's just so yeah. fucking good. And again, contained I'm, space, contained yeah. time. I am so angry that this movie was not a giant success and gave us like eight more Dread movies with Carl Urban because it's just so good. I think I think Carl they would have ruined is the a whole treasure. thing. I mean, you know, how, how, how much... How, I guess, how much less do you think of RoboCop 1 thanks to RoboCops 2, 3, and 4? Yeah. I'm kind of glad but, they just stopped. Yeah, well, I guess it's true. Like it, it, Because it didn't do great at the box office, it's just sort of this unicorn now where everybody looks at it fondly. But yeah, if, if they diluted the pool, it probably would have sucked. Yeah. But still, my God. Like, if you look at Dread versus Judge Dread with Stallone, that's like night and day. That's just like comparing apples to a bag of shit. I mean, it's that, just... Yeah. <laughs> that first Dread movie is so bad, it bombed two movies. Because the first one, people went, oh, fuck you. I'm not seeing that. That's awful. <laughs> and then the second one, everybody said, oh, you mean like the Sly Stallone film? Oh, fuck you. Yeah, that no, was awful. Not even remotely like that. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah need but that's to watch what killed because... the second one. Because yeah. all people remember was Sly Stallone going, I am the law. Yeah, but it's literally so, the distillation of 3000 AD come to life on screen. I mean, it's, they got it so right on so many levels. So, like, if they made a Howard the Duck movie, it would have the same problem. They could make the best possible Howard the Duck movie in all of time and space, but everybody would feel it was tainted by the original, you think? or like, Probably. But first same, dread, same Howard the Duck is a dumb character. It's been a well, long sure. time now, so you know, and and frankly, tastes are just you know all over in people's asses now. So I, I I have a feeling they could make the same Howard the Duck, and it would be a hit. Yeah, exactly. Oh well, well that's a good choice. I applaud your choice, Eric. I applaud. Thank that. you. 
I'm gonna <laughs> on, right. the, on our I'm YouTube have to channel because yes, point. we have one. I'm gonna like put the previews for all of these movies there if you want to get nice. a better idea of what nice. they're about. A primer. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a, a link to that playlist on the show notes. So yeah. now we have to do it quickly. Dun dun dun. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you uh, as a compendium because after I decided on Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, that immediately made me think of American Splendor. Have you seen that one at all? Yes, that American. one I've seen. The one about Harvey Picar. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. With Paul Giamatti. With yeah. Paul Giamatti. It's sort of like the mirror version of Confessions of a Dangerous Mind because it's rooted in reality, but the way they structure it, it's like his graphic novel. And so you see all of the artists' various renderings of him, and it's Giamatti just owning his personification of Picard to a T, like to the, the his raspy voice, to the recreations of doing the Letterman show when he's just all up in Letterman's grill and the whole nine yards. I mean, it's just, it's it's a man whose life is falling apart at the seams who manages to find just that one nugget to just keep him sane and all of the other bullshit that happens around that. And he's like, why can't people just let me have this? Just let me have this. And that's literally the struggle for the entire movie. And it's so fun to watch Giamatti and just they- nails it. And Harvey Picar himself does the act breaks and where he's speaking to the camera in like a white void in in front of like the craft services table. And at one point he's doing this and Paul Giamatti and the other actor playing his friend are no longer in character. Yeah. And they're just at the, the, the table listening to Harvey Picar and cracking up. It's like, so even the guy playing him doesn't entirely get him. I think it's what they're yeah. trying to say. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But then you get like the whole scene a little later where you get Judah Friedlander as his weird autistic friend, uh, just espousing the virtues of <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. And it just kills me every time because it's just the most pure film critique I've ever heard, even though it's an actor portraying someone giving the film critique. But it's just, it's so innocent and so sweet because it's like, you watch Revenge of the Nerds, you're like, oh, it's just too rapey, this and that. But he's like, it's about nerds coming together to triumph over the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, this guy really saw a totally different movie. There's this one scene where a nerd grabs the microphone during a pep rally and announces that he is a nerd and that he is proud of it and stands up for the rights of other nerds. Right on. Then he asks all the kids at the pep rally who think they are nerds to come forward. (coughs) So nearly everyone in the place does. That's the way the movie ends. Uh, so the nerds won, huh? Yes. And it, it just transports <laughs> me out of it. I love it yeah. so much. <laughs> so that made me think of that. And then uh, and then the other one I thought of was Death at a Funeral from 2007. Not the remake that came out in like 08 with Chris Rock and whatnot, but the, the first one. Wait, uh, the remake that, came like a year later? Yeah. yeah. It actually yeah, holds oh, the record for the the shortest time between uh, original and remake. Yeah. yeah. So is this and one of those so like insane. it was a foreign film and then they made the U.S. version or something like like let the right one yeah. in or something? Or? Yeah. Okay. Just somebody had the rights to it. But the first one from '07, directed by Frank Oz, uh, about a British family just falling apart at the seams during their father's funeral, uh, is just it's it's British comedy to a T. But there's so many chaotic elements that they interweave through the whole thing that it's just, it's a tightrope from start to finish. And I just, I have bad respect for Frank Oz pulling it off because it just, I, anybody else could have just watched that thing spiral off into nothing. See, now, now I've got another one. This, this is a list show in the end, but I'm actually, I'm actually am the guy who's like, oh, hey, movies I can <laughs> yeah. watch. So, yeah, but, great. Yeah. But, uh, but Death and a Funeral's got a stellar cast. Uh, a lot of them have gone on to do bigger and better. Uh, it's a very insane role for Peter Dinklage. He just, he owns it to a, <laughs> to the hill and, and it just, it's so funny. <laughs> and another Alan Tudyk, great performance. Yes. I, I think he's a genius. Yeah. He has some good fun in that one. So it's, it's good. Uh, and then just to wrap it up, cause, uh, it was tough, but, uh, Logan Lucky. I know I've talked about this one before, hmm. but I've seen it a couple times now, and it just gets better every time I watch it. It's it's just, it's very clear that Soderbergh is just making a lark and isn't taking any of it seriously. 
but the cast just draws me in because you got uh, Daniel Craig just being this crazy southerner. Like, this is pre-Knives Out, so he's just having fun with the accent. And then you've got, yeah. like, the rest. I mean, it just, and it's a caper movie, which I love, but it's done in such a way where it's like, caper isn't even really the point. It's all about just these weird, quirky Appalachian brothers. Yeah, it's it's really, it doesn't really have the structure of a caper movie, right? No. Like, it, it, it kind of all just goes to plan, but it- yeah. Sort of. And then they like tease you at the end with, well, did they get away with it? Winky, winky. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it ends with that really great song by Lord David Such, uh, Flashing Lights. It's just, uh, it's uh, chef's kiss because it's just pure bonbon entertainment and I love it. So I think I went the opposite direction. Eric, Eric's doing all these like serious movies and death and destruction and, and whatnot. Wrong and I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I, like everything Where's I gravitated to. Chris, yeah. yeah, okay. I got like uh, at least three solid movies that you know your wives will be into. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think Nancy's gonna like uh, the death of Robert Ford. Yeah, that's not Nancy. one of those three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't say any three. There's three specifically on the list that most wives okay. will go. Oh, I'll watch that. Okay. Okay. I think well, I think go. Dread might be the one my wife will be into, but anyway. <laughs> hey, everybody needs to watch Dread at least once. That I will say. All right. Well, hey, I learned something today, everybody. I'm That's a middle-aged man, and I didn't watch enough movies in those day- years, and now I've got at least three or four I can do, and then we'll bring them back up for the fresh shit in a future episode. And then you can tell and us how much subs- you hate them. Yeah, if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll hear it. And if you rate the podcast on your podcast app of choice, maybe other people will hear it. And then, yeah, tell like us, Chris says, t- tell us about tell it. you tell us the movies of the last 21 years that you've really liked, you know, we should probably <laughs> add it to our list. Yeah. Sure. You can tell totally. us on Twitter. You can hit us up. We are at MagHuge, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. Or uh, find us on Instagram, where the Magnificently Huge Podcast. And if you're lucky, we'll notice. Uh, or Facebook, where the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Or uh, you could email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And if you want to know what we've already talked about, there's a lot of episodes. You know, Subscribe to the podcast or go to our website, maghuge.com. You can find all the old episodes of the show and links to all the ways to contact us. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll watch some movies and we'll tell you about them next week. 